Welcome to the Truth Lover video podcast presented by Love and Truth Party. I am your host, Will Pye, author, speaker, coach, retreat leader, and founder of Love and Truth Party. You can find out more about me at willpie.com. Love and Truth Party is a self-organizing, self-replicating community and movement of love and awakening, a wisdom school facilitating health, healing, and happiness. Find us and join our mailing list at loveandtruthparty.org. We exist to empower the deep realization and integration of unitive consciousness of one human being and to inspire action in the world from this clarity as new earth ninjas, our playful avatar. We do so in the spirit of play, holding the paradox that all is well, even and including all collective crises, while simultaneously being moved to act to lessen suffering and serve the creation of conscious culture and society. Our projects include distributing a million love letters from the universe, inviting people to receive the love and care in these and within the happiness hacks and other free resources found on loveandtruthparty.org. It's a genuine joy and pleasure and honor to be joined today by our guest, Austin Hill Shaw. Austin Hillshaw is a healer working in the medium of architecture. As a creativity expert and author of the excellent, I highly recommend it, The Shoreline of Wonder on being creative, his mission in life is to empower others as creators. And as a designer and the founder of Three Lights Design in Oakland, California, as well as the creator of the Core Needs Design Method and the Joyful Home Remodel, his intent is to reform architecture as it's practiced today from a transactional material-based consumer pursuit to one that is transformative, to one that honors and celebrates the intelligence and generosity of the natural world, and to one that is deeply collaborative, co-creative, and fulfilling for everyone involved. And... Today, we're going to discuss something around this notion of healing by design. Welcome to the show, Austin. It's great to have you here. Great to see you too, Will. Reading that bio, in all sincerity, like the first time I read it, uh, I I was moved. And it it actually makes me want to build a house. It makes me want to uh, engage that sort of process to create something. It's so much more than what architecture had prior uh, meant to me or anything that I could conceive of. So maybe we can start there. Like what does healing by design, I think that for many people, this would be a new concept that architecture or creating a building could be a healing practice, a healing process. Yeah. It's interesting because, uh, I wouldn't have really thought about it in a million years either, even though I'm in the industry, but there's just something that uh, has sort of uh, evolved and sort of emerged over the last several years. And I think the main way that it started to evolve was, is that when I first graduated from architecture school, the projects that I would receive always came from people who already knew me. And um, fortunately I'm blessed with friendship and rest with community and all sorts of different forms. And so I would get these projects and, um, you know, and already there was rapport. And 
about a little over 10 years ago, I moved back to the Bay Area. Um, I'd been living in Colorado for my architecture degree and then in the Basque Country for two years in Ojai and Central California. But I came back to the Bay Area where I'd gone to undergraduate and suddenly I'm in this, you know, pretty big cosmopolitan area. And um, this is actually during the economic downturn, 2008, 2009. There wasn't a lot of work to be had at the time, but I was still getting some projects coming to me. But again, what I realized is that suddenly I was meeting people for the first time who were wanting me to do projects. And uh, I had some clunky interactions in the beginning, just wondering, well, how do I, how do I actually get to know who these people are? Um, the other thing about the economic downturn at the time is, is that uh, because there was so little work, uh, my wife encouraged me to go get a uh, certification, a coaching certification through neuro-linguistic programming. Um, and I'd already been uh, a meditator at that point since, uh, you know, for about eight years, I suppose, when that started. And so there was some familiarity around just, again, giving meditation instruction and listening to people and understanding their suffering. And, and so... Um, Again, there's a while where I was, was, was coaching people and, uh, and really doing, I, I really, coaching is a strange work. It was really healing work. You know, it's just mm -hmm. like, what's blocking this person? How can we make them feel, them, feel more, more whole? And as, as the project started to pick up, I was fortunate to have somebody who I knew from a men's circle who I said, hey, there's some techniques from this coaching thing that I would love to bring you through in order so we can understand the designing of your space better. And so that's kind of where it started. And what I realized was is that, and so, so for all the projects that were given to me that were basically ones where we were doing design work for, I would do the interview process. And what I call today, what's called the core needs design, it's, I'm sorry, it's called the full spectrum client intake. And in doing the full spectrum client intake, I'd realized, you know, again, we had a real clear sense of what the person wanted. We were going through, you know, seeing the project through their eyes. There was rapport that was built. Um, and then I would also sometimes receive projects that other people designed and they wanted us to do permit drawings, which are essentially the legal drawings that are required to go through the city in order to get a, a building permit. And what often happened with that, so sometimes I'd say, well, in order to save time, let's not, let's not actually take them through the interview process because the, the, creative, the creative work has already been done. But we had a project where we were just basically doing a redesign of a garage. I mean, we're just, it was I mean, as simple a project as you could imagine. But by not taking the person through the, the interview process, we never fully built rapport. And then at the end of the project, and again, it was one of those projects just was like, everything was laborious, even though it was a simple project. And right at the end, at the end, you know, when I was talking to the client, I said, how's the garage doing? And the client said to me, oh, the art studio is doing very well. We're almost done. And I'm like, art studio? You know, I, I thought we were designing a, a garage. She said, and this is a person who had MS, they were scraping together the money in order to do the project. She was doing it for her, her daughter. And I, I mean, I'm almost broken to tears. I was just like, that, that's, I, you know, I need to know that thing. Does that make sense? So 
you know, the, this idea of healing by design, you know, on one ways, and just in terms of thinking of the, you know, the work that, you know, and the, the interest that you have in non-duality and spirituality and practices, it's really about getting past assumptions on some levels and really dropping into that sort of curious space. And so, um, you know, and, and so having had experiences of, again, things that have gone really well through it, and then also times where I've suspended it, what I recognize is just the, is again, when you're designing, and I'm mostly what I do is residential remodels is that, you know, we are, we're designing for people. These, and these homes are not just um, material things. As humans, they're extensions of our being, right? We are creatures who live in homes, right? It may be uh, a single family home. It may be a tent. It may be a yurt. It may be a cave of some sort, but we are creatures that depend upon homes in order to protect us on some level and, um, and also to nurture us, to allow us to feel that sense of groundedness and um, stability that, again, allows us to access other aspects of the human experience. So does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And it, and it moves me as well to hear. There was a couple of things that came up as you were speaking there. One was that the, and I know from my own experience, that the healing power of a inspired space, you know, of a design of a building that works with light and with space in a way that's just like, wow. Um, and I'm hearing also that this, we were talking about the play on words of healing by design, that architectural practice as you're creating it is creating healing it's creating spaces that are supporting wholeness creating spaces that are supporting groundedness mm -hmm. and you've created this design to to make that more likely by the sounds of it well yeah and it's not only what you're creating it's it's, it's really even more importantly is how you're creating it hmm. and so um the the what I call this, just so that what we call this around the office is we call it the core needs design method. And really what we're doing is focusing on what I see to be the core human needs. And I know we talked about this before. This was sort of looked at at length within the shoreline of wonder. Um, and uh, the point of it is, is that, you know, if you, if you look at uh, a human being who is contemplating taking their own life. There are basically three qualities that you'll see that are happening um, that are indicative of, of why people choose to exit. And again, we're the only species that chooses to exit due to sort of existential pain and suffering on some level, right? So the first I'll, thing is- I wanna provide some context for our listeners and viewers. So to create clarity that The Shoreline of Wonder is your, your book. It's a beautiful little book, it includes lots of interviews with Houston Smith. It's just, I just adored it. And that's actually how you and I met was you were presenting at the Science and Non-Duality Conference and uh, I loved your, your being and your presentation and I loved your book. And you're speaking to these core needs. If I'm correct, if I recall correctly, you had personal experience of loss through suicide. And there was a recognition that this, these, these are the core needs. This is, this is what we need as human beings to, to stay alive, to thrive, to be well. So it was, it was actually, so it was a little different from that, okay? Just in terms of, so what I was doing is I was, so 
I, I have known people who have taken their life. I, you know, people that have not been particularly close to me, but, you know, suicide is on the rise. So, you know, it's, but so again, when writing The Shoreline of Wonder, the goal for me was trying to figure out, I was looking for a satisfying definition of creativity because I had a hunch that basically creativity wasn't something that just certain people had and others didn't. Due to its universal appeal, um, I just saw that this is actually, it's, you know, I had a hunch that this is a way of being that can be practiced anywhere and anything, any pursuance pursuit, a spreadsheet, you know, uh, building a widget, uh, a conversation can either be creative or not creative based on the level of awareness and intentionality that is coming to it. And so six years into writing the shoreland of wonder, it was an eight year project, but six years into it, I came across an article from the New Yorker that was basically talking about jumpers, which was, uh, and, and it was taught and, and, and it was talking about people who jump off the golden gate bridge. And I was like, why, in one of the most creative places on earth, do we also have one of the number one suicide spots? And so uh, I followed that through. Uh, my sister-in-law recommended a book called Why People Die by Suicide, which outlined why this phenomena happens. And again, the writer's name is Dr. Thomas Joyner. He was a clinical psychologist and lost his father to suicide. So there's this quality of basically, you know, research but compassion and also real existential questioning of what went on but he basically said the reason people take their own lives is one they feel a sense of thwarted connectedness right like the world is outside of them or they don't have meaningful relationships with people or all sorts of different things of that sort the other side of it is basically what we would call thwarted effectiveness meaning they don't have agency or they don't feel like they're making a difference in life or they might even see themselves as a burden right so you have the passive experience of not feeling connected and the active experience of not feeling like you're doing any good or contributing to the world which leads to what he called the desire for death which is essentially sort of an existential meaninglessness and so you know, if either one of us looks at our lives, you know, a bad day is, you know, one, either one or the other. It's like, if you feel disconnected, which we all do from time to time, that's a bad day. Or if you feel like you have this laundry list of things to do and you're just hitting all these obstacles, that's another bad day. But you put them together over time and existentially, again, they create this sense of why, you know, what's the point, right? And so when I realized that, again, lack of connection, lack of contribution and lack of meaning when you flip that, again, this is the thing that makes people exit. When you flip that, you realize these are the core elements of what we need to thrive as human beings. Connection, making a difference, and meaning. And the thing is, you can, you can group that into a lot of different languages. I think, for example, like AA has something like um, a community, service, and recovery right? This trinity you find everywhere. And so the reason that I call these now the core human needs is because it's like when you're aware that that is in fact what, what most people, like I'm not saying most people, everybody needs these things. And you start to apply those, that sort of awareness and that sort of lens to conversations, then you can start to really be helpful with people you know, in the service position of saying, how are you feeling connected or disconnected, right? How do you feel like you're contributing or not contributing? Or, and what's your meaning? Like, what, 
what is the cosmology that, that is driving everything? Does that make sense? And everybody has, you know, ideas, beliefs, and values, all these things that are driving the way that they look at the world. And again, the core needs, I should say that the, um, the full spectrum client intake is a way of moving from the material to the spiritual in six questions in order so that, again, you can start to see how hierarchically this person is seeing their relationship to the world through their home, if that makes sense. And so, again, when I, go, when I said earlier that it's really, it's not what we're designing, that's a part of it, but it's, again, it's the way that we're designing it, right? And it's, you know, so much of, I think so much of architecture and architecture projects and home remodels, you know, are kind of painful experiences that go off the rails or become money pits or become finger pointing exercises is this, this other thing is, is that because people make it a, um, how should I say a material pursuit as opposed to a relational pursuit, right? They're concentrating on the money or they're concentrating on the time as opposed to concentrating on all the people that are involved. And again, caring for their core needs, the need to connect, the need to, to, to contribute, and the need for meaning actively in the beginning and throughout the project. So um, it, it's pretty easy to see, <clears throat> excuse me, it's pretty easy to see how in a scenario, and I'm sure we can imagine this in many other walks of life where there's one party looking to maximize their economic return or gain and another party looking to minimize their economic input. There's just a, you know, a recipe for disaster. And the, the power of the transformation, as I imagine this, of creating a context where there's a shared recognition that there is something we can create here that's, that's beautiful, that, that, that serves everyone, at, that, that is contributing to the, the planet, to, to, to nature as well. And that's one of the aspects that you're really focused on. I wonder if you can speak to that element because you know, you're talking about material and, and, and spiritual. One of the great questions, existential questions and crises of our time collectively is, how we're positioning and placing ourselves on on the planet, and I imagine in in, in architecture and design and home building, you have a, a real sort of where the rubber hits the road scenario. And can you perhaps speak to speak to that aspect? Yeah, um, you know, architecture is such an interesting thing because you know, most people that go into architecture are idealists. You know, they really have a sense of wanting to change the world. Um, designers are also really interesting because on the one hand, they're problem solvers, and on the other hand, they're creators. And that's, I think, one of the really fun, fun, fun and interesting aspects about being um, designers. And of course, most designers are also part of the system, you know, that's here. And essentially, you know, I live in the United States, and it's basically the culture of the United States is efficiency and the economy. You know, what we are linked by and the, you know, the beauty of what we have is, is that the economy allows for all sorts of different explorations and expressions and products and services. You know, there's a lot of creativity in there simply because we're not like, we're not stuck in, in, in you know, a particular sort of maybe limiting cosmology on some level. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but the hard part about that is, is that there's actually, you know, the economy and money don't really satisfy your existential needs as a person, right? And so, and it doesn't mean that, and again, you know, as it's practiced right now, it, in, in um, architecture projects, like having a sense, a clear sense of the budget, have, knowing about contingencies and changes that might happen and planning that in, and also having a sense of, you know, that we can do this for the amount we're doing is imperative. But if that's the most important, if that's, that scene is the most thing, like what's the value that my house is going to increase out of this, which I hear a lot. How's my investment going there? I mean, you wouldn't say that about your, your kid, you know, or your wife, you know? And so your, your, your home is an extension of you as in a living thing. Does that make sense? And it's also an extension of the natural world. And so one of the other things that most of us, most of us modern Westerners have been trained as, is that we've been trained is that the world exists outside of us and it is a problem that needs to be solved, right? And that consciousness, there's a teeny bit of consciousness, you know, like just only available to human beings, right? <laughs> Whereas the traditional models say, no, actually the entire universe is consciousness. And out of that is precipitated a teeny weeny bit of matter. Okay. And when now, you say both traditional models. Exactly. And so, traditions. Exactly. So one's kind of the scientific look at things, at least, you know, kind of Newtonian physics. And then the other mm -hmm. ones are more like maybe the quantum physics look at world. But it's really, it's really kind of this placeholder that the, you know, the spiritual systems and the mystics have been holding kind of all along. Mm -hmm. And so the point of that is, is that when we're working with, um, when I'm working with clients and again, I work out of Oakland. And so I meet clients from all walks of life, you know, all different races, all different religions, um, all different economic brackets. And so when I'm with them, you know, my role as a designer is to serve them, right? That's the first thing. It's like I'm serving them. And my first serving is by building, building connection with them, right? So again, I'm starting with, the, with, with, you know, since if you take, you know, a bunch of pictures of beautiful landscapes, and then suddenly you put like in one of those, you put a tiny human being within one of those landscapes, immediately we go to like, we look at the human being. So first thing we see, we're just program to basically be affected and see other human beings okay so the, the the first thing is just building that deep connection with the people right but then part of the part the first part of the whole uh full spectrum client client intake is saying where is this project taking place right and allowing it's this is shamanism 101 it's like where is this ritual happening where you're just associating into this. That's like, where's North? Was that? The set and setting, perhaps. Exactly. It's the set and setting. And so you're starting with the things that are so obvious. And I say to them, I'm going to take you through a set of questions. And I say, this first question may seem overly obvious. It's not a trick question. I'm like, where's this project taking place? And some people are like, um, I'm not sure why you're asking me that. It's happening here. 
you know, but it's like, yes, it's happening here. And what is here like? And, you know, of course, every, the thing about the thing about place, you know, and the plain thing about these projects is they always take place somewhere. And that somewhere there's no other place like it anywhere in the entire universe. Right. So bringing that awareness to that and saying that this is taking place here, that's the first touch point, you know, and they sometimes they're 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 talking about where the sun comes up over here or we get a breeze from this area, you know, or they might just say, you know, it's taking place in this neighborhood. And so part of what I'm doing is I'm just filling things in for them. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. And the sun rises. So you're just you're you're it's we're so caught up within, you know, all the different things that happen on the Internet and all the news and all this. It's we're, we're most of us are not accustomed to actually being with our direct experience of just sort of or extraordinarily ordinary things such as where's the sun in, you know, in the middle of winter versus the summer, you know, how does it feel to be here on a weekend? So, you know, just all these, these different, these different things. So that's touch point number one, right? I, touch I can, point Im- number, I can imagine just to, in, in the space of that as well, like, that, that simple question that the layers of complexity and, and richness, like, you know, here is my grandfather's home or this, this home I hope to leave to my daughter or, you know, all these sort of like, oh, oh yeah, sudden, suddenly here is this extraordinarily nuanced and rich picture. So I, I, just, I just love this, this, this exploration that you guide people on. This, yeah, so what you, you know, so uh, the traditional way of doing it in architecture, which is really the left brain approach to naming a product is here's the scope of work. Mm-hmm. We're doing a 2000 square foot addition on a single family home, right? And we're going to be adding a bathroom. Uh, we're going to be also uh, reworking the laundry room. So you have these sort of like these sort of line items there. Okay what comes out of the full spectrum client intake and what I'm hoping to build is what's called the project narrative, which is the right brained experience of that home, right? Like what, you know, how did you get there? Where are you from? You know, how did you arrive here? What's the house like, you know, what do you want it to be like a year from now? How about five years from now? How about 10 years from now? Should we even be designing this house or should you be moving someplace else? Do you know what I'm saying? So you're, the, the, the questions there are all starting to get into that place of um, it's really answering that it's creating the narrative, the living narrative about what this is. You know, what was here before us? What was the legacy of this home before us? What do we want to transfer it? How do we want to hand it off? You know, that sort of thing. And it's interesting because, you know, going around the Bay Area, it's for instance, I walk into a house, I'm like, wow, this is a this house has beautiful bones, but then it's like, Ooh, but there's been some hard times in here. You know, you can just feel trauma. You know, I've had houses where there've been murder suicides, you know, where people are trying to run daycare centers out of, I'm like, okay, we need to work on that aspect of the home before we can do anything else. And again, people might ask, how do you do it? How, how is that done? And so, again, tying this to the natural world, let me take a step back before we go to the, the, the solving the murder-suicide question. So this model of that the world is consciousness and out of it is precipitated a little teeny tiny little bit of matter, 
when you recognize that and you start to apply that, first of all, the goal is building the rapport amongst the humans, then intention setting and saying, I want this to work for everybody involved. I want it to work for you, husband. I want it to work for you, wife. I want it to work for your kids. I want it to work for your aging parents who may be coming in here. I want everybody who comes into this, feel, this place to feel really great. I want this to work for me. I want this to work for my design team. I want it to work for the contractor, right? And you start to build the sense of, again, goodwill and an ecosystem of creativity. The other thing during the interview process, I'm not saying like, I'm the designer, I'm going to design your house. I'm like, oh, I'm good at that part, but I suck at this part. You know what I'm saying? And the point of it is, is that I'm saying, the point is to say everybody has, in, you know, valuable input here, especially the homeowners, because you're going to live there, right? You know the home better than I do. You know what you like better than I do, right? I can't assume that thing. So again, first step is basically through the intention setting process. After we got to know, we're literally opening the creative container and saying, hey, intelligent universe, help. We need your help. We want to make this place better. But we need, to, we need your help in doing it together. And so it's acknowledging that this is taking place on the earth in one finite area of the earth and not only is the earth in there you know water fire air space all the elements are there right and those are just givens it's the generosity of nature and so the point of that is is that you know so many people again going back to that, th that thing we're confused that the the natural world is a problem that needs to be solved when really the natural world is actually the thing that has been making our life possible every single second of our existence. And when you recognize that, when you start to put that you know, level of understanding and appreciation and respect and gratitude for all the things that we've been handed, then the project becomes very different, right? And again, that intention setting is the opening. It's acknowledging. It's like, we're going to step into this creative cauldron together. You know, and with most architecture projects, they last, they last for months, even years, and lots of different things happen. You know, sometimes you have moments of insight, and sometimes you're totally confused. Sometimes there's misunderstanding. Sometimes there's confusion. And the thing is, though, by one, practicing communicating in the beginning, and two, asking for this, you know, the help of the greater world. And three, saying, I want this to work for everybody. You're creating this sort of level of respect and love and joy that, that shepherds the project into being as you move forward. And then at the end of the project, we close it. We actually allow the, the people there to talk about all the things that went well, all the things that were struggled, you know, so we can talk about it and say, let's close it and not bring that baggage into your new space. You're ritualistically occupying the new home after going through, you know, the initiation of the design and construction process. And so, again, the whole, it's, it's just amazing when you, just by suggesting that you can ask for help from something greater than yourself, and, and modeling it in a way that doesn't sound like you're, you don't have any agency. You do. 
we're all here to contribute in some way. But, you know, creating that balance between, it's like, we're all here, we all have the same, we all, we all have core, new, core human needs, even though the way we might do them are differently. And we're all here, thanks to the natural world, that's just to create a whole new way of doing things, you know? And so things like, for example, photovoltaics, energy calculations and loads and things of that sort, those are all amazing ways, but they have to be secondary to, in my, in my opinion, they have to be secondary to our visceral, intimate relationship with the world. That sense of, you know, how should we say, co-creation and stewardship, which, which, you know, so many cultures before us knew that. And, you know, we in the modern world has lost track of. But just because we've lost our way a little bit doesn't mean we can get it back real quick. So... That's kind of the idea there. I'm just smiling really deeply. <clears throat> Excuse me. Still shaking off this cold as well as smiling really deeply. And that smile is really on the inner because there's such a transmission of the joy and the enthusiasm and the aliveness of what you're communicating and what Love and Truth Party is all about and like what the planet is in des desperately in need of is evolved ways of doing things doing things from a place of insight, from a place of the realization of our connectivity and our oneness, if you like. And I'm just loving this very practical and yet very spiritual and very mystical process that you're outlining. Like I, I really actually do want to have my own house now more than I did prior. Um, so just keep that in mind, please, that you know, maybe in five, 10 years, a trip out to Australia, I think. I'm, I'm, I'm not brave enough to build in America at this point in time. Um, yeah, it's just really moving to, 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 to have the visceral experience here and now of your enthusiasm and clarity and to get a sense of like all the ways that that impacts people's lives. You know, this, this, this clearly is a powerful service that you're bringing into the world. I'd love to hear from you how maybe some experiences where you've had particular success within this model, particular like, wow, you know, what a, what a gift that I get to, to do this. And, and, and or I, I'm sensing maybe the challenging, um, I know what you're speaking to is, as with anything evolutionary or revolutionary, it would be challenging for a lot of people. And I sense that they, they probably don't end up becoming your clients. Is that, is that fair to say? Uh, say the latter again, just in terms of the last part of that. I was thinking a, a sort of stereotypical character in my mind who, who's, um, you know, he, he wants to give some money to someone to build a house. Mm -hmm. And, and this, this guy Austin comes along with all these profound questions and he wants to have an interview and, uh, you know, using concepts and terms which might be unfamiliar. And I'm, I'm imagining that that could be quite challenging to their, to their uh, cosmology, to their view of how things are done. And my assumption is that the intelligence of the way the universe organizes itself and like tends to attract like, that you don't encounter many of those people, that the vast majority of people that want to work with you would have some degree of preparedness for the evolved journey that you are offering to take them on. Is, is that your experience? Yeah, more and more simply because, um, well, you know, we have really good reviews and the reviews kind of, they're very different. You know, if you go on Yelp and you look at the reviews for the, you know, the architecture services there, it's, uh, 
you know, the way that our reviews are reading are very different. You know, they're just, and, so, and I, want, I want to support your marketing. Uh, it sounds like you, you, you don't need it, but if someone goes on Yelp, Yelp, if they look at three lights design, would that be what they'd want to type in to, to read the reviews? I'm actually intrigued. Yeah, it, and it's it, exactly three lights design. And it wasn't totally using that as a plug, even though there you go. There, you go. <laughs> but, but the point of it is, is, is that, so now there are a lot of people that are coming there because they're seeing, you know, and, and really if I thought of an avatar, you know, I, my, my avatar, are basically professionals that have done everything right but still feel there's something missing in their lives and so they're going about designing their home but this I think this is true of a lot of people you know they they do everything that they're supposed to do you know they go to school they get educated they follow a career path they, they rise a little bit you know but they're kind of missing out on the deeper cut and so that and I think that the thing is is that even though you might rise up without, without a sense of creativity in your life, it doesn't have to be artistic, it doesn't have to be performance-based, but in, if you're not feeling that sense of connection, contribution, and meaning, you are gonna hit that wall on some levels. And so... And that's yeah. the deeper cut, right? That, that experience of connection, creativity, and meaning. Exactly, and it's about putting, it's about putting people first, you know? People first, with and then knowing we're driving them towards also the connection with with the, the environment hmm. but again it's it's the you know the traumas that are caused in people's lives are typically caused by people other people you know so building a sense of love and safety is key so we're going to the first part of your question in terms of things that have, have been really proud of this will sound a little strange but you know one 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 time i had a client call me up and uh I'm not sure if she called me or wrote me an email, but she's like, Austin, I'm so angry with you right now. I'm so angry. I've loved working with you, but I'm so angry. The, the drawings are six inches off in my master bathroom. It's throwing everything off. All the cabinetry is off. You know, I was like, okay, well, you know. So first of all, she was, she was willing to call me. She's willing to, you know, be emo you know, emotional with me. And she also said, I've really enjoyed working with you, but I'm really, you know, so, and then I was like, okay, let me come out there and see what happened. And what, what I realized is that it was a small, tight space, a wall that we said needed to be demoed and moved six inches had not been moved six inches. Okay. And so I said, you know, it took me a while to figure that out. And then I said, look, you know, and the drawings that this person printed up, they didn't do it at full scale. They did it small. Right. And so I said, look, you know, actually our drawings are right, but they haven't been executed properly. Okay. Now here's the deep learning for me. So I was going back and forth between the laborers who were working there, you know, just saying what happened. And these laborers were working for a person. They said, we don't feel comfortable because we're under contract for the boss. It's like, you know, contractors under contractors and contractors. But I was like, you know, I just need to know what's going on here. Finally got the phone number of the person and uh, was able to, you know, talk to them and just be like, okay, you know, this is not, this hasn't been done right. You know, you're off here. I was trying to do it, you know, in a courteous manner, but I was also saying to the client, it's the, it's the contractor's fault. Okay. So that, that now, now, now get this. So then I went to go to the love your new space um, process at the end of it. You know, they'd finished it. They've gone through it. They corrected it. And they said, you know, we found out, that the contractor, while this was going on, had twins with a genetic disease that is probably gonna kill them within the next two or three years. 
and they're trying to raise money right now in order to, um, you know, on Kickstarter or something like that to basically save their kids, you know, and as a father <laughs> of two, it's like, I mean, so I'm just saying, I'm, I'm, I'm outing my own assumptions and my own finger pointing in that. Do you know what I'm saying? And then, and it, <laughs> And I ended up, you know, I went on Kickstarter, I donated money and I said, look, and I outed myself. When this thing happened, I blamed you before this, this and that without knowing the full extent that you were going through as, as a parent. I mean, it was just, you know, to think of the, that, that what he was, he's trying to run projects while he's contemplating the mortality of, kid, of his children that had just been born, you know, that, so that's the thing, right? It's like, again, it was, it was costing the client more there's money involved there's you know there's delays involved but there's also you know there's a bigger cut and that's the human cut does that make sense and so one of the pro you know one of the things about doing this work is is that you know you're always learning <laughs> you're always learning about you know even though i have a i have a really good system you know it's a really strong system it's a really needed system and yet I'm, I'm the number one student of it, you know, in terms of being like, oh man, Jen, I had a big projection on that guy, had no idea what was going on. So, um, you know, as the person who's sort of holding this, this way of doing things, it's just, uh, you know, there's, there's magic in that. But again, the role on this, again, I will say the goal of the whole core needs design method for the human beings is healing, Right. It's healing. It's the reestablishment of wholeness. When you feel connected, when you feel like you're contributing and your life feels meaningful, that there's a narrative that's working for you, whether it's the mission or the vision of your life, or it's just that you're having experiences that are so rich, you're just like, ah, oh, I feel my connection to the universe. That is healing. That is being healed. That is feeling whole. And then in bringing people through that process, you know, intention setting, thinking about, again, the aesthetics and how the aesthetics are expressions of them. And again, how what we're designing for them is based on the, the particular needs of the individual or the family or whoever lives there or the business that the goal is, is and, and also that they feel such deep a sense of being part of the process. The goal there is stewardship, that each project becomes a a nexus of stewardship where that sense of, again, the creative capacities of people at work in concert with the land and the elements and the sun and the seasons and all that, it creates this natural sense of, of, of stewardship, you know? And I have, I mean, I have a basic map of it right here. This is it, you know, this is what it looks like. The ascending triangle is the core human needs, connection, contribution, and meaning. And the connection goes traditionally with form, right? What things that are beautiful and unified make us relax and open up. And then the contribution piece goes with function. It's how we're designing that space specifically to make people's lives easier and allow them to bring their gifts into the world with more ease, flow, and joy. And then the third component, the meaning component, was probably something that was always there in architecture till before the industrial revolution. But it's really just taking the cosmology of that family or individual. And again, this is the interesting thing, part of being part of a multi 
cultural landscape. It's like what's meaningful to them. Sometimes you don't even have to say it. It just, that becomes the intention just because you brought a person through the uh, full spectrum client intake and you're setting the intentions together and they know, you know them and, and you shared about you that is holding hands and saying, let's do this and make it happen. That is the diamond. You know, it's the thing that you're putting in the ground that makes that project, not just a materialistic pursuit, right? Not just building a home, not just building square footage, but it's a way of infusing wisdom and compassion into structures, right? Through the process of realizing it together. So I, I really <clears throat> love the, the languaging of realizing it together and the example that you used feels like such a powerful representation of that infusing wisdom and compassion. So there's that, there's that peace in their home, in their house, that whenever you recall it and whenever their family sees it, that room, that part, that wall, the, the, the wrongness, the mistake that now has a meaning that is serving connection and community and that unbearable situation the contract to family was in, you know, it's made just a little bit less unbearable through this process of listening and understanding and articulating. You know, it, it's very powerful as I first heard that. And as you're speaking now to some of the map and some of the system, it's like I'm seeing just, just, just what that looks like in, in that particular example. Mm -hmm. and the infusing, and, and just in sort of in a materialist culture, the other thing, because we have so many beautiful, gorgeous images of homes and everything else, you know, kind of shoved at us all the time. When you bring it into that little, that sort of space of consciousness, one of the amazing things is, is again, and I'm, not, I'm working in the Bay Area where things are expensive, right? And there's families out there with not, you know, some have money, some don't, but it's like, how can we make your life better, right? If you're trying to solve it aesthetically only, you know, then it's like, do you know what I'm saying? Is it perfect? And it's really, usually it's like, does it match what I think it should on that? Does it, is it as good as that thing I saw on Pinterest or house? You know what I'm saying? So there's an infused comparison and judgment and lack in, in that scenario, right? Exactly. And the same on the on same on the functional or you know, contribution side, you know, it's like, are we getting all the square footage out of it? You know, is it big enough? Is it, you know, that sort of thing where you're basically, you know, you have these sort of arbitrary numbers or sense of productivity, or I need to get this stuff. You know, it's like, and that's basically, you know, you follow the, the, the sort of functional aspects out just on that level. What you get is the strip mall. It's like, mm -hmm. how can we get a car in here as fast as possible? Get out of your car, buy something, get out, you know, and get back to your home. And get all the out. trees out of the way. No trees in the car park because that's just getting in the way of car, car, car park spaces. Exactly. So that, that key piece is, they, again, it's bringing it back to that, that you know, that inverted triangle, the, connect, the, the consciousness that comes from intention setting, intention setting, right? And a group of people setting intentions together. So that's what it does is it allows people to have meaningful projects and feel a new sense of connection with their home and their agency and bringing that home without breaking the bank. You know, they don't have to have the perfect thing anymore because it's because the process of the creation is more 
you know, is more meaningful than just, you know, that how to say the end result. Mm. Does that make sense? And mm. it doesn't mean that we do slop, right? It just, but it lessens the degree for it to be, it just, you know, I've, I've had persnickety clients before that I've had to drop where they're just like, is this modern enough? Does this go like this with this and this? I'm like, it's not that important. That's not important. You know, I'm reminding you, the reason we're training to do this is because you got breast cancer when you moved to this house five years ago and it doesn't feel like you're home yet because you've been sick the whole time. We could just wave sage in here and it, you know, and say, I want this to be my home and that might be way easier. <laughs> Does that make sense? So it's like, so because we live in a consumer society, you know, and some people do have disposable income, they often try to use that disposable income to solve things externally, which would actually be solved better by saying, actually don't even do the project. I've told people to do that. It's like, I've listened to the reason you're doing it. You know, I, I, I respect you, but I wouldn't do this because you're gonna spend a lot of money, spend a lot of time, you're gonna spend a lot of the world's resources, and you're gonna still be unhappy because your reason for doing it right now is not so good. You know? there's, there's so much depth in that. Like I'm thinking of a, in your part of the world in California, it's probably, or at least the U.S. is the center of plastic surgery, certainly in, in perception and image, if not reality. And I just like imagining that scenario where someone goes to a plastic surgeon wanting to spend $50,000 to get their, 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 their cheeks tightened or whatever people get done. Yeah. And the plastic surgeon actually has a coaching session with them and, and creates a moment of connection and suggests that there's a, a retreat they could go on or you know to take some more time in nature maybe plastic surgery isn't actually what's going to give you the good feeling that you're desiring <laughs> totally uh, exactly something quite similar yeah yeah it's almost like it's the amazon prime thing it's like i'm feeling kind of bad i'm gonna shop and like press that button it's like the dopamine hit of buying sometimes it's not you know it's that sort of low level you know and even when you get it it's like it wasn't the, the having it and appreciating the thing. It was just the buying, you know? And unfortunately that is, there's an undercurrent of like, gosh, I just, you know, let me just fill myself up with something, right? Which is the opposite of the creative process. You know, the, the, the creative process, you know, it, it demands of you that you step up a bit, that you actually make an effort, mm -hmm. right? And, uh, and you know, we, we have, a, unfortunately, we've created a level of convenience, which is just, dec you know, it's, it's, uh, we're in the decadent phases of convenience. You know, it's not actually helpful to have that other thing. Yeah. I hear. Yeah. yeah. And that's the very expression of the antithesis of healing of wholeness. It's, it's, it's lack that is stimulated in order to manipulate people to, to grab something, whether it be the religion or, 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 or the, 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 the item or mm -hmm. the drug to, to hopefully feel whole. Yeah. And, this conversation has evoked something for me that I'd long forgotten, um, which was a, a period of time I went through where I was encountering a lot of brilliant design. Or actually, just to say simply, I was encountering a lot of designed items. And I want to make that distinction. A, a kettle that's actually been designed rather than produced. So this kettle, the top shuts perfectly and silently. And when it opens, there's no flick of water anywhere. It obviously does the boiling thing perfectly as well. It, it, it is functional. But I remember the experience in this kettle. It's actually in a design hotel. That was the whole theme of these, this chain of hotels. Is everything is an item of design. Mm -hmm. And just spending a night or two in this hotel, I was touched 
by the design, like literally physically touched and emotionally touched because it was like someone cared enough about me, not knowingly, directly, but they knew they cared enough about the person experiencing this kettle to carefully craft and, and think and adjust and refine, not with an economic outcome primarily in mind, mm-hmm. clearly, evidently not their primary motive. So that, that I'm just coming back to that infusing of wisdom and compassion. Like it, it, that was my experience with the kettle. And I'm just, I'm just in my mind extrapolating that out to a room or a home or an extension or a retreat center. I know that's one of the projects you've, of the many you've been involved in. And, and what that then leads to as healing by design, like this, the, the actual reality of that for a space, a place, an item to be affecting healing through this uh, infusing of wisdom and compassion that you're describing. Well, I, I mean, I think we can take the example of like the early, the early Apple computers, right? I mean, I think Steve Jobs actually, you know, for all his, his, you know, traumas and, and sort of um, challenges, personal relationships with people, you know, he had a really big idea around, um, you know, transcendence, you know, from a trip, I believe to India, where he's like, you know, and he wanted that to be part of the computer, right? And so, you know, um, that, that saying that, again, we're wanting to awaken people through this experience of, and for him, you know, it was design and that, you know, it, it can, it's, you know, it can be brought in. And so, you know, I, I could go kind of follow the thought stream out of like, well, what happens when you become just such a giant company? You know, is it still in there? You know, does it still have that same thing there? And I would argue, you know, it's a little challenging because, you know, companies tend to, you know, their life cycles are, you know, they have definitive life cycles. But going back to that, that experience of, again, being with the tea, the, the tea pot, right, this tea kettle that was there. Yes, I do believe that, you know, really good design is one in which, again, there's a curiosity there where they're asking questions of the potential user. So and I've been involved in projects where, I've had contractors who are doing spec homes. If anybody uses the word flip with me, I go berserk, you know, <laughs> because this idea of flipping a home, I'm like, this is not a pancake. You know, this is a home. Somebody's going to live here, right? So that's, you know, it drives me nuts because it points to the sort of flippant nature of and, and shallowness of culture. It's like, well, it's just a home. No, it's no, it's, it, it's, it, you know, you can call it that, but to your, your detriment. So, um, but again, I've walked the, the nerve, I've walked that, that thing that the full spectrum client intake with people who are building, you know, for the ideal person who's going to live in it, you know, anticipating that. And I think that aspect of, for example, of product design of really, again, setting intention that the thing that you're making is going to find a home in a person who, one either needs it or wants it or really can appreciate it on some levels, you know, so that does make your life better. I mean, human beings are bipeds that make things to think that we're going to stop making things is actually an anathema. Hope I'm using that word, right? sounds big, but I'm slightly, and I'm sure of its meaning is, but to, you know, being a human, 
You know what I'm saying? If we just try to curtail and say, no, let's not make anything anymore. We're going to continue to make things, but the ways in which we, we make them, again, they can be filled with that lays like, I just want to maximize my quality profit, you know, or I want to get famous for this. I want to be known for the piano tie, you know, all that things versus like, I really, I really want to make the world a better place through this thing that I'm creating. I really want somebody just when they, like you said, they had an experience of holding it in their hands and be like, wow, you know, your experience, it's, it's, it's like, it's a, it's a visceral experience and it feels almost like, again, another, another narrative that that a project or a product narrative was passed off through the creation of that to the production of it and into that hotel that suddenly you get to participate in, you know? And the, the, the flip side, when we encounter a, a pen or a product that has clearly been, sorry to use the flip side, perhaps appropriately, the, <laughs> it, it's clearly been crafted with the minimization of economic input at the forefront of every single part of the design process. So the pen doesn't actually work, right? You know, it, it's literally right. to, the, to the detriment, to the extent that it's not even meeting its basic functionality or a backpack that I you know, have to send back three times because it's very cheap, but it yeah. does actually provide the function. So, and there was, there was something else that you spoke to. I, I mentioned that because it feels like really important that, and I, I feel you referring back to it, that the, the functionality and the material aspects are all included and taken care of in this. And then some, you know, it, it's like, it, it's this and more. And the, the more for me, a, a huge part of, again, thinking in my own experience and hearing what you're evoking and some of what you're describing, the, the appreciation. So when I, when I go to an iPod uh, you know, for the first time, or that kettle, or that home, or in my experience, I had this lovely Audi that was just the nicest car I've ever had. And it just, it just you know, the windscreen wipers came on by themselves. The lights came on by themselves. The steering wheel felt great to touch. Everything just looked and felt beautiful. This natural state of appreciation arises. You know, I, I practice gratitude. I, that's, a, that's a big part of my transformational path and journey and teach and share. But when something can effortlessly naturally evoke appreciation, it's, it, it's, it's an experience of connection, right? It's like, hmm. And, and that, for me, is, is summing up the essence of healing by design and uh, to create that shift in consciousness, essentially. It's interesting that you just said that because I'm just going back to this model here, like looking at the ascending triangle, you know, where we have connection over here. Mm -hmm. You know, so when I'm telling people how to actually go about how do you connect with people? What is it that you do to build the connection? And my, what I say is you appreciate them, hmm. you know, and it has that quality. Remember that movie Avatar where they said, I see you. Mm -hmm. It had that way of reading people like saying, I see you, you know, it's, uh, it's, that's, that's, that is, it's just like appreciation comes down to that thing. It's like, you're not evaluating them. You're seeing their humanity. Mm -hmm. You're seeing their aliveness. You know, you're seeing you know, the differences they have than you, you're seeing the similarities, you're just seeing, you know, it's that basic quality 
of relating. And so again, yeah, that appreciation, you know, so I'm, I'm building it by when I'm writing emails, I'm always think, you know, appreciating, you know, just it's the first thing I ask people when I meet them is like, where were you born? You know, because we're all born somewhere, you know, it starts about that place. And then also we're born helpless, meaning people had to care for us. And three, we're born um, aware, you know, debatably awake, but aware at least, you know. And, uh, and so when you ask somebody that, it's suddenly you have a way of basically going, oh, I know that place or I have no idea. Tell me about it. And so it's almost like the little, the little infant in you is talking to the little infant in there. You know what I'm saying? And again, you're talking place because in architecture, you're dealing typically with a, with a site, you know, a specific site. And so, and then the other thing is like, in order to working with people's contributions, the thing you do is acknowledge, right? You acknowledge, you know, all things that happen, little things, big things, you know, even when they try and it's off, you know? Um, but just that sense of you're constantly acknowledging them in order so that they feel part of the process and they feel empowered within the process. And so that's another part of the core needs design method. And finally, in the meaning piece, the thing that I'm doing is empowering them as creators. What I mean by that is that since I have so much, such, I have a, such a long love affair and stewardship with creativity itself, trying to understand it trying to understand the impact just and knowing that most people don't actually see themselves as creators, let alone designers, you know, I'm like, no, this is your home. You know, you know this thing better than I do. Right. And, and because we're designing for you, I need to know how you use it. It doesn't have to be packaged in a way that you might think is creative or not. You know, it just, if you're sharing with me openly and intimately about what this thing is, then we can come up with a, a, you know, a solution for it together. Does that make sense? Um, there's even times where people have hired me who are already working with designers or architects and they've gotten their plans and they don't know if they like them or not. They have no way of, they have no way of evaluating if the space is a good design or not. And so I'm like, well, let's interview you. And so in interviewing them, you know, and they start to see how, you know, who they are in relationship to the space. And I always, I always interview husbands and wives separately because I want to hear what she wants to say fully without compromise. I want to hear what he says fully without compromise, right? Compromise is a great way of being in a relationship to some degree because you're caring for your partner. It's like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this in order so they feel safer. But in the design, it's disastrous, you know, so you're like holding back. So you get their full set of values and, you know, and also how to use the space. Same thing over on this side. Then you're like, let's look at the drawings together now. And then they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's not working based on this thing that I have. Or like, oh, but this is, you know, and so they start to see things in new lights. It's like, and that's the other fun thing is just giving a context for people to understand themselves better. And really, I mean, it's, you know, as you know, it's not easy to know yourself at all <laughs> but having little like the court you know the, the full spectrum client intake does it it, it makes a, a hierarchical map that does allow you some leverage about being like oh yeah that does work for me because of xyz or no that's not working for me because of whatever so it's uh it's a fun process there mm -hmm.
And I, I want to honor and reflect back to you that, yeah, sure, knowing yourself is, is not an easy process and what you're creating in the world, what you have created and are ongoing co-creating is making that easier for people. So the core design method, that, that those three principles, even just as a mini map for people, and clearly the whole journey you take people on through the design process, that's making it easier for people to, to know themselves. And I, I want to thank you for that. And uh, I want to thank you for sharing some of your wisdom and compassion and genius and creativity with, with us all today. And, and point people to austinhillshaw.com uh, and the creativity quiz you have on there. It's, yeah, so yeah, there's austinhillshaw.com is, uh, is, is interesting because that came before the, the core needs design method, but it's all the studies on creativity. And, um, you know, just, and then the, the website for uh, the architecture website is three lights designs, the number three designs, plural, I'm sorry, lights, plural, and the design singular. So three lights design.com. And um, yeah, and just to go back, uh, Will, Will, it's always so good to see you. I mean, I absolutely love our, as you say, this, this sort of co-creative friendship that we have. Mm-hmm. where based on our different experiences that we've had, we met in 2012. So it's been seven years now. We're coming, you know, right about seven years because it, mm-hmm. it was in October of 2012. So seven's a good number. It but, is. Uh, 2012 but, is a good time to meet as well, right? Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, but, it, but it is. I mean, I love, you know, there's a, you bring out a quality of awareness within me and a clarity within me just just through our communication. So I, I cherish that too. And uh, Likewise. And yeah. as, as you know, I was recently uh, denied entry into the US and the, the, the greatest pain of that was, was not being able to connect with you and my other soul brothers and soul sisters in, mm-hmm. in California. So uh, yeah, really personally such an enjoyable dialogue. And uh, I and I didn't, I didn't personally call Trump in order to say, don't let Will in, <laughs> although you are kind of dangerous. <laughs> Absolutely. We were joking that you're a, a, threat to, uh, a threat to the state because my values are love and truth, and that ain't what the U.S. government's all about, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, minor connection, contribution, and meaning, which is just, just does not have a whole, whole thing with, you know, with a gross national product. <laughs> that's radical. That's it's radical. radical, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyways yeah i gotta just my favorite quote from uh who is this from uh dry name wrote uh, deep economy wrote end of nature Charles, I, oh no so that was sacred economics yeah. anyways he said something with related to gdp something like to the effect of uh you know according to gdp um a cancer patient who totals his car on his way to see his divorce lawyer is a really good thing for the U.S. economy. And I'm just like, you know, and it's like, come on, let's figure out a different way of measuring this because not such a great idea. Yeah. That's beautiful. Here, here I am in Australia, just over the water in New Zealand. It's a fair way over the water. They have a well-being budget yeah. recently introduced. And, of course, we have That's Bhutan that has gross national happiness. So um, I want to honor these uh, smaller states and nations that have uh, greater wisdom and compassion than uh, the, the, the US or the UK or the Australian state has uh, thus far 
manifest in their political systems and measurements of the economy. I couldn't agree more. Thank you, my friend. Really appreciate you being on here, Austin. I look forward to uh, maybe having you on here as a guest again, if you will. I'd love to have you and certainly look forward to being in dialogue with you again. Well, just know, don't let this out, but I'm digging a tunnel for you near Juarez so I can sneak <laughs> you into Mexico. <laughs> That's definitely made my day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're doing it and we're doing it with really nice spoons. <laughs> well, well designed spoons that are a nice healing experience that. for the people to utilize. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, Austin. Bye bye for now, my friend. Bye bye. <laughs> and thank you to our, our viewers, our listeners. I hope you've enjoyed this uh, even a fraction of as much as I have, and you'll have had a good time. Uh, you can visit loveandtruthparty.org to join our community, download or order love letters. Check out similar um, dialogues with other beautiful souls such as Austin. You can also register for our newsletter, connect on social media, and consider financial support at loveandtruthparty.org. Thank you to all our existing supporters and contributors. Together we are creating kind, conscious, courageous human community. <laughs>